Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is episode 47 of the Jesus Society Podcast, and we're, today we're going to continue our multi-episode conversation about worship, music, and the Christian assembly. So I would I would invite you if you this is part two of this discussion. So I really, really, really want to say if you have not, if you're just kind of tuning in today and you have not um, listen to part one. Um, please, please, please go back and listen to part one before you listen to this. Um, I, I think, I think you'll find that, that this conversation makes a lot more sense. Um, like I, I, these, these are intended at least by me to build on each other. Um, so, and this may be, this, this is part two. It may also be part three. We're, we're, we're recording this and if it gets too long, we'll split it up. And I've kind of got a spot in mind where we might pause to split if we need to. Um, we've got a few guests today. This is this is a historic day for the Jesus Society podcast because this is the first time that we have ever had three people in the studio. So we actually had to move the studio to another room and um, and do all that. So um, I'm going to introduce our guest in just a minute. But, but, but first, I want to repeat a statement that I made in last week's episode, because it's really important, and I want I want you to hear this. So, um, th- this series has the potential to be at least a little bit controversial, and I want to say as loudly and strongly as I can that I do not intend it to be controversial. Um, many of us have have strong feelings about what goes on in the assembly and what shouldn't go on in the assembly. We have strong feelings about worship, we have strong feelings about music, and because we're in America, we have strong feelings about everything right now, right? Um, and and all that has been true for a very, very long time. It seems like it's worse, but maybe not. But in talking about all this, I absolutely do not want this discussion to contribute in any way to the already fractious divisiveness, um, vitriolic conversation or or non-conversation <laughs> as, as it is that um, sometimes happens in Christianity around these things. I want the overall thrust of, of these episodes to promote unity, uh, hope, uh, reverence for God and 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 respect for one another. So so I hope we can have a productive conversation around some of these issues um, laced with humility and love for one another and undergirded by a deep um, devotion to God. So, with all that said, those are my little caveats. Joining joining me today uh, again uh, is my son Nathan. Say hello, Nathan. Hello again, Nathan. Um, <laughs> this is what my voice actually sounds like. If you listen to last week's episode, oh, that's right. I sounded like a mosquito. Yeah, we had some audio difficulties that were totally my fault. It was not Nathan's fault. I was running the audio last week, which is terribly horrible. Nathan is in charge today. Well, you managed so. like 97 episodes of The Chosen without me, so... Well, true. It's true. It's okay. True. Yeah. Uh, also joining us today is our friend Ashley Perham. Say hello, hello Ashley. Um, so Ashley has uh, a number of different names that she goes by. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> uh, 
most of her friends just call her Perham, um, but some people call her Hamster. Yes. That's and, the... Some people call me Abraham. Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> well, why? Because um, uh, he this friend didn't speak English very well and was confused. That's why my name was Ashley and Perham. So he called me like a Perham. And it Which turned sounded, into Abraham. sounded like Abraham. Yeah. Uh, or um, if you were... If you were Jewish, you would say Abraham. Yeah. But not yeah. because you have many sons. Yeah. Yeah. Don't have any at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So, so I want I want to start this by giving each of us kind of an opportunity. Nathan and I talked a little bit about this last week, but we we deliberately didn't dive deep into into this because I wanted to do this when we were all three together. Um, I want to give each of us an opportunity to kind of talk about our individual backgrounds, church-wise, where we come from, where we where we are now, um, and and kind of how we lean when it comes to issues around worship and music and the assembly, that kind of stuff. Um, so um, I'll I'll start off. So I I grew up in um, in a uh, small rural Methodist church in Western Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, it was a, we had a, um, you know, it was a very traditional, it, with respect to worship and music, it was, you know, pretty traditional, as you would think of in conservative, um, conservative is not the right word, um, but in, in traditional uh, Methodist circles, we had a, we had an organ in the... Um, like a big pipe organ? No, 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 hmm. just a, just a, I don't even know what you call it, like a just a just a keyboard organ mm-hmm. thing. I mean, it was a pretty big thing. had had two sets of keys, yeah. you know, um, and but it wasn't a it wasn't a pipe organ mm-hmm. by any stretch. And we also had a piano, and we had a we had a church organist, and she was um, she was a sweet lady. She was elderly, and so there were there were weeks when she couldn't be there, and so somebody else who was not really an organist but knew how to play the piano would step in and and sit at the piano and play the piano that week um i i grew up singing um we had a we had a choir i sang in the choir there and occasionally as i got into high school and got more involved in choir and stuff at high school um i was invited on occasion to sing the solos and and i would usually the way that worked um I would show up with a with a boombox back when boomboxes were cool. Like on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I'd walk in with a thing, just sort of hip hopping around. Um, but you, you used to be able to buy. This is like this is back in the old days. Back in the old days, why we had these things called cassette tapes. And I would go to the to the the Bible Christian store, and I would buy these accompaniment tapes, right? for songs that I wanted to sing. And I would, I would walk up to the front when it was my time and I'd put the cassette tape in and turn it on and that would provide the accompaniment, you know, um, and then I would sing. Would people sing with you? Or no, was it... no, it was just a, it was a solo. Huh. Uh, we called it, the, the term, at least at that time in, the mes- in, the, in that Methodist church was special music. We did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so... That's kind of how I grew up. Um, when I got a little older and really kind of, um, there, there was, and I don't want to get off on this, but there, I, I, I had, I began in early adulthood to kind of have some issues with the Methodist Church and some things that they were doing, sort of corporately, if you can say that. And so I sort of walked away from the Methodist Church. And about that time, I was really 
trying to discover who Jesus was and and give my life to him in in a in a personal individual way that I, I had never done before that is a big conversation that I'm sort of just highlighting you should talk about it sometime though I probably should should talk about my uh, conversions. If you think you'd like to hear that story, please hit the like <laughs> button and comment down below. Yeah, ma- mash that like button, right, Ashley? Hey, yes. That's what you say. Smash that thing. Um, so I eventually, in the process of all that, I eventually landed in um, Churches of Christ. If you don't know anything about Churches of Christ, it's a, it, it is a... Uh, Number one, it's not a cult. Not a cult. I, like I, I did not know that when I, because I, you know, Western Pennsylvania, we didn't have any of those. Like when I first heard about it, I thought, what kind of weird religious group is this? Um, of course, in the South here, there's one on every street corner, right? The, um, the Baptists and the Churches of Christ are the, the probably probably the dominant denominations. Um, but one of the one of the, the unique um, things about Churches of Christ with respect to worship in the assembly, is that churches of Christ are a cappella churches, which means, um, for you don't for you don't know, um, um, we um, did not use instrumental music, so it was all a cappella. By the way, who knows? You know, because we just talked about this. So even if you didn't know, you still know now. Ashley, what does the word a cappella mean? Do you know? Mm, no. Okay, I put you on the spot. It is a it is a Latin word. And it means actually in the manner of the church. Oh, yeah, and that is a that is a a, a reference to the fact in the in the early the early church um, for multiple hundreds of years. I don't know when um, the church did not use instrumental music, and there's some that like that's established historical fact. We can talk about why, but it's 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 fact. And in churches of Christ, we decided to honor that. We have at times in Churches of Christ made that a, a point of, um, there's no other way to say it than a point of legalism. Like this is the only right way to do it and you have to, you have to do this. And if you don't believe in acapella music in church services, you can't really call yourself a Christian. Like we, there, there are people within Churches of Christ who have taken that perspective. Um, so, um, And that comes all out of the place of wanting to be as much like the first century church as possible, right? Yes, yes. So without getting into a big, long history of the American Restoration restoration Movement, of which Churches of Christ are a part, um, it kind of grew out of the Enlightenment of the 17th, 18th century, um, 17th, 18th, 19th century, actually. Um, and the idea was we're going to just study the Bible. We're going to we're going to try to not reform our current churches, but we're going to restore our current churches to what they were in the first century. Um, there's a there, boy you just wouldn't believe the, the the depth of that conversation. Should we want to go into it? But we don't today, <laughs> right? But the, but the the the, the th- kind of the central thrust of Churches of Christ, um, which I'm going to assert did not play out that way but this is what we always said and what we kind of believed is that the churches the the first century church had it more close to correct than any other church since that was sort of the de facto since they were closest since since there were actually apostles who walked with jesus who were sort of building it right so theoretically they 
and our I guess our dominant sort of view is they had it closest to correct, and everybody since has watered it down and made it not correct. And 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 our you know our big emphasis was always we got to get it right, got to get it right, got to get it correct, right? Which is not those are not bad values to hold. Um, I'm in real danger here getting off under the weeds here, and I'm, I don't want to do that. So so. Um, I have one of so I'll, I'll finish with this. One of the interesting things that people in Churches of Christ have always said was that we are not a denomination. We are we are just Christians, right? We are Christians only. Um, but we're and, very different from those other Christians. But we're very different, <laughs> right? 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 So the the truth of the matter is we're we're a denomination just like everybody else, right? Um, but we but we denied that we all, but we always said that we just just wanted to be Christians, pure and simple. So I am in that, as far as that goes, that's my thing today. I consider myself a Christian. I do not consider myself aligned with any particular denomination. Um, I, I have found people in all denominations that I can agree with on certain things. I have found people in those same denominations that I would disagree with on other things. And I think we're all that way. So I, I don't align myself with any particular denomination uh, at present. I consider myself a follower of Jesus, period. So. If you haven't been to a Church of Christ, like acapella worship service, I highly recommend it, especially if you really like to sing, because every, everybody participates in, like, if you like to sight read and sight sing. It's, I don't know, I really enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, but. Now, I will say, um, there's some divergence in, like, depending on which congregation you go to, um, when everybody sings and everybody and there's no instrument to, to sort of cover some of that, um, sometimes you're in churches where there's most of the people are just not really good singers, right? Um, now, I'm of the conviction that that doesn't matter. God loves to hear his people sing. It feels like that those churches with bad singers don't exist in Middle Tennessee. <laughs> because it's well, like, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. I'm sure but... they do. Um, but a lot of a lot of our churches of Christ in Middle Tennessee are big, and you know when you when you're big, you can you can get a lot of good singers. And and when it's done, like I'm also going to say later that I think music is about God, not about us. But um, there's some you know hearing a group of people who are pretty good at acapella singing sing um, is really kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, human voice is beautiful when it's you know to to us. I think God doesn't care. I think he finds it all beautiful if the heart is right. But that's sort of playing my hand a little early here and all this. For the sake of later conversations, too, it's also to note that, like, earlier in Churches of Christ, where there was this sort of authenticity, there was the congregation and a song leader, all of it acoustic, no amplification at all. And now in some modern Churches of Christ... There is what you might call a worship team or a praise team or something that is still a cappella. It's still just voices, but there's maybe six or seven individuals on a mic that are really, really, really good singers. Yeah, usually called a praise team. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. To help out and, the congregation. And in Churches of Christ, historically, historically being over the last you know, 40, 50 years, we have had worship wars 
just like everybody else has had. And uh, uh, there have been some churches of Christ recently that have gone instrumental. Yes, yes, and and some of the non-instrumental churches have disfellowshipped the yeah. instrumental churches because of that, and and it's you know it's become fractious and divisive, which are things I don't want to contribute to again. Anyway, so so that's me. That's sort of my kind of history background. And a few things about where I lean, which we'll get into more later. So Nathan, Nathan is my son, so obviously he has some of this background. Some similarities. Yeah, but he's a little different. So tell us, tell us all your, where, tell us about you. Who, so, are, who are you, Nathan? Oh, gosh. What's your elevator pitch? <laughs> yeah. How much, how much time do you have? Well, um, you know, this thing's recording. You're recording it. Yeah, so it's as long as we're going to go. We're already 16 minutes in. Yeah, it's all right. It's going to be great. Um, so, so I grew up in Churches of Christ, um, fairly traditional Churches of Christ, up until, well, maybe this is an important point to mention, about my eighth grade year, um, we started doing house churches where actually music wasn't really, mu- I don't remember music being much of a part of our house church gatherings. You remember? We we sang we sang, we sang some, but it was uh, it, it was not. It wasn't. It wasn't. Ma- it wasn't regular. And it wasn't a major part yeah. of of things. Um, so we were doing that for I don't know, four years maybe three three four, three, four years. years yeah something. Um, and then, um, long story short, some some things happened with some churches. We're not going to get into all that, but um, we ended up at a at the first non denominational church that. I ever went to, um, not yeah, non-denominational sort of pseudo-denominational church. <laughs> well, so explain. Well, you know, most churches that say they're non-denominational have they're coming denominational usually, ties. They're, yeah, they're Tim coming, Hawkins is like it's Baptist with like a cool name or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you know, if the if the if the pastors preachers pastors um, went to Baptist schools. Yeah, uh, and grew up in a Baptist church. They're they're bringing Baptist stuff. Or if the to roots that. of the church in that in that case in that were, case it, yeah, were it Baptist. Used be, they used to be a Baptist. Exactly. They became yeah, non-denominational. Yeah. yeah. So that happens all the time. Yeah. So it was not it was not affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, but it had some Baptist roots. But it wasn't just that. So yeah. So um, so that was the first time I experienced, or I remember experience a a whole big production. You know, I don't I don't know how many people were there. I would. Five, how, six thousand? How many how many members? Yeah. It was a bunch. It was a whole bunch. They had two camp well, they when we were there they just had yeah. one campus and then they built another campus from the other the side of town and very, was, very large church. And everything everything that they did was very polished. It was I mean, it was what you would expect of a modern worship service. So that was my first experience. In, in a in a in a non denominational yeah. or or um, a kind of a community church model, yeah. I think. If you know what that is, that's that's what I think of it. Now I'll say this too. Let me. I want to say something about that particular church um, because I still have some friends there that that go there. One of my dearest friends is a is an elder there, and I, I love him to death. That I'll tell you this: that particular church did ministry better than any church mm-hmm. in that town. Yep. And I, I'll I'll tell you. I'll, well, I won't tell you what it is. What where what church it was. But they, they did a better job of yeah. of loving broken people back into, into wholeness and health and and spirituality than any church I have ever seen in my life, and they still do. And that's that's how 
I think some of those big churches grow. There is, there is some big churches that grow for other bad reasons, but some big churches grow just because they're they're good. loving they're, they're loving people they're loving people better the than way anybody that, else. Yeah, 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 and that's certainly true for that church. So that was so that was that gets me up to senior year. Before that, I had I had become a musician in you know middle school. I had become a musician and started playing trumpet and some other instruments and so so let me, guitar. Let me, yeah, let me let me let me say this about Nathan. Um, Nathan has had the gift of music in his soul since before birth. Okay, like John the Baptist. <laughs> yeah. So so the story that my wife and I always like to tell is when we were sitting in church, in Churches of Christ. When Lucretia was pregnant, um, the song leader, frequently the song leader would get up to start leading a song, and as we all started singing, Nathan would start dancing in the womb, like we could feel him moving around and, you know. For the record, I can't dance, so. Yeah, well, you did. But I moved. You did then. He moved. Yeah, and and when the song, when (laughs) when the song stopped, Nathan stopped. And then the next song would start, and he'd start wiggling again. So he was responding to me. It was clear as anything. He was responding to music even from the womb. Yeah. And uh, we have just seen that grow in him as he's gotten older. He's always loved, loved music. Yeah. So the more, the more into music I got, the more I started wondering, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say it exactly like this then, but like, why can't I do this for God? Like, why is this not? Because I'm not a singer. I can't sing. I have sung, but it's not great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like, why can't I, why can't I do this for God? So once I started college, I, I ended up going to a Baptist college and just because of meeting people and stuff, they asked me to play guitar for them on their worship team. Um, and that was my first experience performing music you know and i remember that that experience I, you probably remember because you came to chapel one time um yeah we we played a song and it was it was an experience like i've never like i had never experienced before because i was interacting with music and interacting with god and i knew that those two things were going together at the same time and i was like this is weird it was <laughs> it was very comfortable but it was it was so different because it wasn't, you know, in Churches of Christ, and we'll talk about some of this later, and part of this was my own um, immaturity, but part of it, I think, might have been contributed to the environment, but I, I felt like our worship, quote-unquote, um, was a little bit cold, maybe. It, there wasn't emotion in it, and all of a sudden I was starting to experience where the heart connected with worship, and that was something that I had never experienced before at that level. Um, so I have a question. Yeah, I heard I've heard that some people in churches of Christ don't think some think that you can't that you should have acapella music in church, and some think that you shouldn't do any worship music, like even your home or whatever, like with instrumentals. Like, is that kind of where you were leaning? Like, uh, had you we, ever played well, like a worship song on your guitar before or a hymn? A little bit, but it was. I remember one time when I was in youth group. We had everybody over to our, our house when I was in high school, and I remember asking if I could like play guitar for a song, and I I knew it was a it was a touchy subject, like it was nobody wanted to say no, but nobody wanted to really yeah, so say let me, rubber stamp it. Let me yes. let me speak to that for a minute. So this is this is me personally. If my wife were in here, she would tell a slightly different 
story from her perspective. So I grew up, you know, a typical child of the 70s and 80s. Um, I like music, man. I listened to Y103 coming out of Youngstown, Ohio. And it was, you know, it was pop rock, you know, back when back when pop rock was cool. Um, that's a dig. That's a little dig. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so, you know, Ario Speedwagon. Um, I listened to Kiss, man. I was, I was a Kiss dude when I was... A friend of mine and I painted our faces one time to look like Kiss. <laughs> Did you really? Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I'd you know, for to see that picture. Yeah, well, there was never a picture, oh. thank goodness. Dang. Um, but so I I loved music. I loved music. I remember when I was growing up, uh, my dad was a big '50s music guy, and he had a he had an al- a record back when y'all y'all know what records are. I got a collection. I know, I know, we do. Um, but he had a he had a record called At the Hop. It was a it was a compilation. That's the one we have. I know right? we have we now have it. <laughs> I, I bought a copy. We bought Nathan a a, a turntable for his uh, college graduation last year. And I bought him some albums, and mostly I bought him the albums that I wanted. Um, and one of them was at the hop, so it's a compilation album of fifty songs. And I can remember, you know, my, my folks had the had the. Um, I'm going. I'm, I've sort of hijacked Nathan's deal. Oh, that's haven't okay. I? I, my folks had the had the record player sitting about, you know, for a six or seven or eight year old kid sitting about ear level, which probably wasn't good. Why I'm deaf now. <laughs> And I can remember standing there playing those songs and just singing as loud as I could sing. Like, and I loved that. So, so I have a deep, 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 deep love for, for music. And I grew up with instrumental music and all that kind of stuff. When I went to f- my first Bible school, ministry training Bible school, one of our instructors, I remember him make, trying to make the, the, the theological case that Acapella singing was appropriate in the assembly, but really, if you wanted to honor God, acapella Christian songs were no bueno, even on the radio. Like you shouldn't even listen to contemporary Christian music with with um, instrumental music accompaniment. Like he was he was banging that pretty hard, and I can remember sitting there. Like I understood what he was saying. He was making a, a logical logical argument for it. But I remember sitting there thinking, I'm just not sure I buy that. That just seemed a little silly to me. So, but, but, but that gets to your question, Ashley. Yes, there are people in Church of the Christ who will say you shouldn't listen. Now, they will listen to you know, Van Halen or whatever else they want, you know, and that's fine. But as long as it's not Christian music with instruments, then you're fine. Right, and which seems a little inconsistent I had, to me, and I I have ne- personally I have never occupied that space. Okay. I I don't. This isn't a um, kind of explaining that in in my life before before high school, I had one Christian CD in my vast. It wasn't vast. I had, I had Stephen Curtis Chapman right next to the Chipmunks, <laughs> right next to Veggie Tales. Yeah. yeah, but but I had one, and I don't even know where I got it from because I don't think you guys bought it for me. Um, but it was the only Christian album that I that I had as a kid, um, and I think that was just that was just our mentality. wasn't It wasn't. We never said it was bad, yeah. but it was just sort of ingrained in the culture of 
like kind of sort of stay away but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't intentional yeah um so then fast forward i i had that experience in college um then we i transferred colleges up to here to to go to mtsu um and i got plugged into i'm fast forwarding over a bunch but i got plugged into the baptist ministry on campus because my friend who i went i had classes with invited me um and i was there for just a little bit and then the campus director asked me to be worship leader and i said i i don't even know what that means <laughs> and number but number two i can't sing so much <laughs> I didn't realize that so much about that first year makes sense now. I didn't because yeah, because I, I played Ashley with him that first. That was your yeah, first year, right? Yeah, yeah. Ashley okay. was yeah. was with him there. I didn't know what I was doing, but apparently you didn't either. No, <laughs> no. I knew, I I understood enough about rehearsing and practice and organizing people that I felt like I was, like I figured that out. It took some work, but <laughs> but I figured that out. But the whole like. <laughs> what is worship and what is my job as a worship leader? The the answer to that I fell on was well, my job is to eliminate distractions, which I think we'll get to later. But I I feel like now that I've had conversations with other worship leaders of actual important places, um, <laughs> that that's sort of a theme is that that a lot of worship leaders feel like their job is to to eliminate distractions between the Holy Spirit and the individual, um, and get you to focus. And so I also got into doing audio stuff and fast forward to now I'm at one of the bigger non-denominational churches in, um, in town. Probably the biggest. I, yeah, probably. It's probably is the biggest. Yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you're going non-denominational only. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I there's, know, there's another pretty monstrous church. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. We don't talk yeah. about them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, another another subject um, for another day. No. I know they quoted the other day in February of 2020 before COVID happened, they had 6,000 people. Mm. So that was their that was their number. Now that's split up amongst four church four services and stuff. Yeah, and, um, and we, a decidedly different right everybody must realize this, it's a decidedly different environment than the small little 75 member church out yeah. in the country, right? Yeah. Regardless of what stripe and that yeah. is. One thing that's yeah. interesting about them specifically is that their pastor and worship pastor both come from Pentecostal background. Now, they they have come a long way past that, so it's not yeah. they're not they've, they've they don't have their feet fully in that anymore. They, yeah, they've in fact, one, come out of that a little bit. The main pastor was excommunicated, so that's a whole from the yeah. That's another. Thing. That's a whole other thing. We're getting into, <laughs> we're getting off into a whole bunch of weeds, but it's a very large congregation. Um, I help out with their audio now, um, just a little bit. I'm just getting my feet into that, but um, so I understand a couple different aspects of this that I wouldn't have understood five years ago, because I've been in some different. Um, parts of this circle you know I've played I've led I've run audio so I, I have a different but I've also come from this Church of Christ background that we that we talked about yeah I, I will say this too I want because I want to give I want to give credit where credit is due this particular church that Nathan's a part of they do a they do a phenomenal job of loving people and and trying to help broken people 
um, recover their lives and and become the people Jesus wants them to be. They do. They are so gracious and so mm-hmm. kind and so welcoming. You know, this is. I don't want to get spun off on this, but I have found an awful lot of churches don't do very well with broken people. As long as you seem to have it all together, like you're welcome and everything. But but we have found that a lot of churches don't do that very well. Just to give you an idea of their um, background, when, when oh, they, the, uh, you're talking about this this your, church, your church, my church, yeah. um, when they I heard this the other night and I thought it was interesting. When they started, they made a, a conscious decision to not advertise anywhere where other Christians, like not in the Christian bookstore, not any places like that. They advertised in bars, strip clubs, like the places. Like where broken people go. Homeless shelters, the places where they were trying to connect with people. And that's the kind of people that they they brought. The first person that they baptized at their church was a former star in the um in like the porn industry and stuff. And that was the first that was that was the start of their church. And it's grown and it's a very diverse church now, but that's yeah. that's where they're at. Yeah. So yeah. They have a ministry near and dear to my heart. They pass out free hot dogs every summer. And that's just I've That's never cool. gotten to eat them yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ashley, you're up. Tell us about you. Um, what makes you tick? Oh. <laughs> I grew up independent Frosties. Baptist. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Um, I grew up independent Baptist, which I've heard is a lot like Churches of Christ, uh, especially, I didn't know this, but in the fact that they're not a denomination. It's called independent Baptist because every church is like by itself. Autonomous, yeah. Yeah, they don't... Um, <laughs> If you, if you, so you're going to hear like the little pitter-patter of little claws. It's our dog. Our dog is running through here. She decided the, she wanted to come uh, say hi. Yeah, and she came across the hardwood floor and tick, 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 tick. So that's what that is. Um, But they're autonomous. And so um, sometimes that means they don't cooperate very well. But, um, <laughs> but that's what you get when you get autonomous. That's autonomy. what you get. That's right. So um, my dad was an independent Baptist youth pastor from like, me negative nine months till I was five, <laughs> six, and then my dad was a pastor. From we started a church in Phoenix, Arizona, and I lived there from age six to age eighteen. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know you were an, an Arizonian. Yeah. Huh. So trying to get back there every every cold day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the thing about the Independent Baptist is, um, if you Google it, you're gonna find a lot of. Uh, can I say crap? You can yeah. say you can say crap. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you're gonna find a lot of crap um, and horrible stuff that's happened. And in the denomination, churches in the denomination, my dad and my mom kind of came from like circles adjacent to that, but we were never like that. I'm doing air quotes culty, I guess. But some of them can really mm. actually get that way. There's a there's a reason, you know, in our in our culture when when people think of um, and they usually use the term fundamentalists. The the our the media portrays Christians all Christians as fundamentalists, and that's always a negative, very negative, backward, um, hateful. Like those are yeah. some of the some of the things, and that's not universally true. But it, there's a reason. Yeah. I mean, there is I mean, a reason. It's they, called independent fundamental Baptist. So like you. Got, yeah. Yeah. You do you do sometimes get some of that kind of stuff in some of these little child really really conservative and i consider myself conservative yeah Uh, i am a bible believer um and listeners of this podcast will know that um but um yeah anyway 
I don't want to say any more about that. But um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't hate. There's things I like about Independent Baptist, and I've I'm no longer Independent Baptist, so I feel like I can kind of say some stuff looking back on it. Um, but they're very, very, very conservative. Um, a lot of times, my church was never like this. My parents were never like this. But a lot of times, to the point of being legalistic, most of the time. So worship is always piano, no drums. You can have if you have an orchestra. If your church is big enough to have an orchestra, you can have kettle drums, but no drums. Bass guitar is iffy. Um, piano only, pretty much. And growing up, um, all the churches in Phoenix are really small. Um, so nobody had an orchestra. I think I played flute in church like for three months, mm. but, um, so, but I loved, I loved worship. Um, I've been playing piano since I was six. My mom was a piano teacher and so it was just there. Um, so I probably started playing for church. I, I started playing for, I guess, a corporate worship in seventh grade. I played for school chapel. Um, and I've just been playing ever since. And it's something I love to do. And, um, Personally, I love traditional worship because I was trained in that skill set and it requires a very specific skill set and I don't get to use it a lot. So I really enjoy when I do get to use it. Um, I wrote down other stuff. Uh, when I moved to Murfreesboro in 2018, I was missionary Baptist for a year. Like I didn't join the church, but I played for a missionary Baptist church. Um, low key because they paid me, but also I enjoyed it. Um, but also I was poor. So, <laughs> yeah, though you so that you hit the trifecta there, yes, it was, yeah, yeah, it was a great time. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the music, I still play for them sometimes, but uh, l- let me interject here. I, I just I thought of this and I want to I want to say it so that I remember. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. There's a video out there. One of the curious things that happens sometimes with churches is, um, like if you're cons- wherever you wherever you uh, whatever spot you occupy on the on the conservative liberal spectrum. You consider everybody to your left liberal and everybody yes. to your right too conservative, right? Yes. And that's true. It doesn't matter where you where you yourself sit. And I've got a video where a guy talks about a preacher, it's a Church of Christ guy, talks about that strange phenomenon, yeah. and it's really kind of hilarious. But I'll put that in the show notes, and you can you can get a good yeah. chuckle out of that. Well, there is yeah. definitely a lot of that, like use drums. You're liberal, like stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and 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 well, it's okay to use kettle drums, but by gosh, yeah. if you use regular drums, you've yes. you've gone off the deep end. Yeah, you've you've um, yeah you've repudiated Which, Jesus. And there's it, so much like that. Is it but, fair to say that that heart comes from wanting to like not be distracting? Mm. I, I would is say it, I would it, say no, no. Yeah. It, I, what I think, if a lot of that sort of spirit. And, and boy, this is a big conversation. You, you have to understand the soil from which American, early American churches sprouted. Um, and, and this, like early American church history is a huge subject. Um, most, most Americans came to America to flee what was often a persecuted, they were persecuted religious people in Europe. And so, and they were also drinking the water of um, the Enlightenment. And so, um, there was a there was a great movement. Um, Baptists, um, people that were uh, Presbyterian, the the way the the Enlightenment affected them was, you know, they, blood was being shed in Europe over different religious groups, and they were thinking, my gosh, we're supposed to be Christians. Can't we get past this? And their answer to that problem was to take Enlightenment thinking. You know that had started to solve medical problems and agricultural problems and science problems, and man, if we could all just kind of be rational 
and reasonable. And let's approach Scripture that way. And if we if we do that, we'll all um, we'll put our passions aside a little bit. Like that's a we'll thing. We'll come to the right answer. And we'll all yeah. come to the same answer. Yeah. And then we won't have to kill each other over our religious beliefs. So, so drinking that water, um, everybody was kind of searching for what's right, what's right, what's right. And searching for what's right is good. But when you start to view Christianity solely through the idea that if we get it all right, we're, we're, we're fine, that, that can lead you to some bizarre places, right? Yeah. To where correctness in doctrine and practice becomes the only thing you're looking at and if as long as we as long as we do it right so in in church of christ as long as we as long as we sing without instruments and that's the only thing we're pleasing to god well like we talked about last week worship the word worship words involves things that don't really i'm not i want to be careful i say this it's not that being right is unimportant it's it's important but Right heart, mm-hmm. right spirit, right yeah. attitude has always been more important to God. You know, that, that trumps everything else, yeah. right? Not that the other stuff's not important. It is. But, but it can lead and has led, I think, a lot of churches to some really kind of strange emphases. My mom used to tell me, because the church that we left um, where my dad was a youth pastor... Um, they were very, very, very conservative, um, very conservative dress. And I think I made a comment. I was like seven or something. I made a comment about it once. Mom was like, well, just remember, like, they can, some of them look good. They wear all the right things and stuff, but their heart is ugly and their heart is not, like, with the way it should be. And I don't know. That's always stuck with me. Like, they can do all all the right things, correctness. But the... Yeah, um, which is going to be the theme of everything we talk yeah. about today, pretty much. Yeah, what does Jesus say? This people honors me with their lips, but their yeah. that, that, I mean that's an Old heart. Testament quote. But their heart is far from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Well, right? yeah. So, so yeah. So that God has always that has been a human problem for a long, 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 long time, and God has always said. You know, there's a place in the Old Testament where he says, I, I can't stand your sacrifices and your Sabbaths and things that he told him to do. Yeah. Yeah. He says, I can't stand it anymore. I'm sick of it. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Like, things like that because your heart's not right. right? So The ritual is important, but it's not the most important. It's only important. Yeah. It's only important when yeah. the heart is right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um. so... Oh, okay. So, well, you were, this reminded me, you were talking about how churches of Christ like to look at the first century church and model after that. I think independent Baptists tend to glorify like the revival period of like the 1800s. Like, I don't know if you know D.L. Moody. Yes, um, yes, yes. And so I think that's where like the piano comes in. Like, oh, D.L. Moody only had a piano. Like, oh, well, I got Yeah, and in in churches of Christ, it was uh, Alexander Campbell and Barton Stone. Okay. Those were the, those were our, those were our heroes. Yeah. Right, from so, the early 1800s, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, because they did it that way, and yeah. they got a bunch of people saved, like, let's do it, let's just keep doing the exact same thing we've been doing since 1850. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, yeah I guess, yeah. 
And sometimes even when it is broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, we also had special music like you talked about. I know I've talked with Nathan about this because he just finds it really weird. Like I would, I'll say like, oh yeah, I played offertory yesterday. Yeah. And I, it's when like the piano plays normally while like the, off, the offering's being taken up okay. before COVID when we could pass the offering plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, we could touch things that yeah. other people touch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like... I just thought it was really funny. I remember I was in the car with you yeah. and you were, it was just so foreign to you. And I was like, yeah, like I arrange songs for offertories. Like it's fun. Like I play for What which, kind of word is that? Yeah. Which in Churches of Christ, we either didn't do anything during offering or sometimes we would all sing a congregational song yeah. during offering. But yeah, that was, that was new and different. Well, and, and we all have our, you know, every little denominational group has its own vocabulary too. Yeah. Like offertory. I've never heard that word until just now. Oh, wow. Yeah. No. Yeah, okay. but that's you know that's a yeah. different that's a different group that I'm really terribly familiar with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have specials and offertories. Yeah. Um, now, per, Perham always tries to sorry Ashley always tries to sneak in other songs into the the stuff that she plays for offertory. Well, so, yes, <laughs> yes. I've stopped playing offertory, so now I do it more because I try to be somewhat respectful. I always try to be respectful. Respectfully subversive. Yes. So like recently, I play. What did I I, I don't know. I remember you trying to sneak. There was a, a couple times. Um, you didn't you try to sneak the peanuts theme into it one time? Or am I crazy? <laughs> was that probably different? I probably have done that before for Christmas, not for an offertory, but like just for an arrangement. I put the Jeopardy theme with "Come That Long Expected Jesus" because you know like, <laughs> we're waiting for Jesus. And most recently, this is the worst thing I've ever done. Probably, <laughs> um, there's a song called "Poisoning Pigeons in the Park" um, by Tom Lair. It's very funny. Um, it's about poisoning pigeons, and I put it with his eyes on the sparrow. Oh, you, you really are going to hell, aren't you? Probably, you know, in a handbasket. Um, but yeah, so that was the Independent Baptist. I'm, uh, last year, yes, I joined us. I got really involved with the BCM with Nathan mm-hmm. at MTSU, and they were Southern Baptist. And like, I'm not all gung-ho Southern Baptist, um, because, I mean, there's obviously there's some stuff in every denomination, and I'd rather be known as a Christian than like, oh, she's Baptist. Yeah. But um, I really enjoy them for several reasons. And now I play with a worship band at church, and we do a mix of like hymns mm-hmm. and praise and worship songs. And honestly, I mean, I would much rather just, I really enjoy playing with the band. I think something cool about the church is that I, a 22-year-old, like, young woman, am, end up playing every Sunday with like 40-year-old men. Mm-hmm. And like, there's... Music would be that arena, but that's just a cool way that the church as a body, everybody has a function and mm-hmm. works together. Yeah. And it's cool to see that. But um, the music isn't always like my preference, but I I love serving in the church. And I mean, church isn't about me. It's about me serving. And this is where God has called me to serve right now. And so I really enjoy, really enjoy playing with the band. Um, we have drums. Most weeks we have drums, acoustic, bass, and a keyboard. Um, some weeks we have an electric guitar so that's normally how it is and one thing that's interesting about y'all is the way it's uh, i was explaining this to dad the way that it's mixed from an audio perspective is a lot quieter and um a lot more like the vocals are a lot more prominent it's mixed more like i don't know like not like a pop song or not like contemporary music it's it's a little bit more subdued and maybe traditional, but in I a nice way. I realize that. Yeah. We also, I don't know how many trained sound people we have running our sound. Yeah. It's a small church. Which happens a lot. Yeah, that's what it did. My yeah. brother, my little brother would run sound growing up. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So at, at some point in this conversation, Nathan's going to talk a little bit about the the audio, the the kind of interesting thing that trained audio people bring to yeah. all this. That's yeah. that. Um, Pros and cons. Yeah. 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 But so. So have you, you said everything you need to say? Wait, she hasn't. Talk about singing school. Oh dang. Okay. Oh, like, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a thing. That's for something you. that you've so, done that I never knew existed okay. until. So, um, Churches of Christ, you do shape notes, right? Like you yes. had a few songs with well, shape notes. Well, our, our our more conservative, older churches. There there are some hymn. Bo- let me let me say. Forget. I didn't say that right. There are songbooks, hymn books in Churches of Christ that some of the older older ones exclusively use shape notes. Some of the newer ones don't. Okay. But so I learned when I was just sort of starting out in Church of Christ, I learned shape notes. I was in a, I was in a quartet when I was in Bible school uh, first on. Um, I've got some great music, by the way. Anyway, uh, but I learned I learned shape notes, and I think for the, for for untrained musically oh. untrained people, uh, and that's what they were developed for, oh, yeah. right? So so normal people could f- sort of figure out their way through written music. When you don't really know how to read music, yeah. so if you know how they work, so each well, tell us, you tell us, since you're you um, more of an expert. So, so what are the what are the shapes? Every note, you know how you know a normal note. If you look at a score of music, they're all sort they're of round, circle round, round notes, notes round notes. Yeah. What are the so shapes? If you've seen like the Sound of Music, or you know music has a scale, yep. do re mi fa sol la ti do. Every single pitch, do re mi fa sol la ti, has its own shape. Yep. Um, I can probably. I think I wrote a blog post on it. I can get you. Do is a triangle. But yeah, and re is like a cup, kind of. Mi is a diamond. Fa is a, a, another type of triangle. Yeah. So is a circle. La is a triangle. Ti is an ice cream cone. So or pizza. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um. So I learned shape notes. This is very a very weird thing for somebody to know, um, like my age to know. But I, so I wanted to be a Southern gospel pianist, um, in high school. Like that was my dream. Um, so that's, I like senior year of high school, I was practicing for like two and a half hours a day. I don't know how I did that, but I, I was practicing piano for two and a half hours a day. And, um, cause that's what I wanted to do. And so part of the way God, and God honestly has changed that dream. Um, but part of the way I wanted to accomplish that was by going to something called the Stamps Baxter School of Gospel Music, and it's at yep. And see, we know all about that in Church of Christ. We know all about Stamps Baxter. Oh, okay. We used a lot of stamps. Yeah. A lot of our old hymn books um, had were stamps had Stamps Baxter songs. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I mean, because there's back, a back whole in the, long back in the, convention music in Southern Gospel. Music. And, yeah. and back in the 1800s, you didn't have millions of people writing songs. You didn't have lucrative publishing deals or anything like yeah. that. You had, you had a couple of really gifted people, and the Baptists used them, and the Churches of Christ yeah. used them, and lots of people used them. Which right? is why so, we all know, no matter what church you come, there's a lot of songs. Yeah. yeah, we we know the same Amazing songs. Amazing Grace. Well, that was different. Was but, it different? Yeah, yeah we we had European church songs that came over, and everybody yeah. everybody laid claim to those, gotcha. and still does, right? Yeah, yeah but but uh, songs that were written in early America. By people like that, yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of the groups that have ties, a lot of the church groups that have ties back that far, yeah. Use the same music, yeah. So we know we know about Stamps Baxter, yeah. So also, there's like a whole long history of that and how it dovetails with Southern Gospel and then like dovetailed away. But um, I, 
I wanted to be a Southern Gospel pianist. Um, if you don't know what Southern Gospel is, I guess it's like, it's white gospel music. Bill Gaither, <laughs> uh, Bill Gaith, little bit of steel guitar, like boom chuck, vamping the whole it, thing. It's kind of, sort of, a little bit country. It is but, very country But not like Country in the music hee-haw. style. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I went to the Stan Spector School of Gospel Music, and there um, I learned about shape notes. I was in the top theory class, and I should not have been in the top theory class, but they didn't have anywhere to put me. So the first day, the teacher said, write four-part harmony, and I said, I don't don't know what that is. So Mm -hmm. I got trial by fire those two weeks, learned learned the whole thing. So it's, (coughs) just so everybody understands, it's a week that you go there. It's two weeks or a week. Normally it's two weeks and and you go to, it's normally at a college campus and you go and you live there for two weeks and you have theory classes all day and you sing, you have group singing for like two or three hours a day split up and you all sing together out of um, a songbook. Um, You also have, actually that's basically all you do. It culminates with sort of a concert. Yeah, depending on which type. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few different types. Um, Stamps has a, a concert that closes. And there were there were similar things in Church of Christ. Um, similar, not exactly A lot the of same churches, thing. like small churches. I have friends who teach singing schools in like for just a week every night in small churches. At a, yeah, at a particular yeah. church. Yeah. yeah. We, we used to have, I don't know that we, I don't know we still do much of that in Church of Christ. Maybe we do. Maybe in the small little churches they still do things like that but yeah yeah so um i learned about shape notes that was in 2016 and i've been really really like most of my greatest friends and closest friends i've met through the shape note community so there's singings there used to be singings every weekend they talk about like the glory days of convention music and there was uh, singings every weekend there's new books published every year i've had two songs published um there's four or five different publishers and they come out with books every year and you just go and you sing for two hours um, it's really fun. Whether it can be classified as worship is a whole different discussion. Yes. But um, I really, I really enjoy that, and I really enjoy playing piano for that. So that's how I, that's where I get like my traditional fix. Yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah. That, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. When when Nathan first met you and he he told me a little bit about you being kind of interested in all that stuff, I thought this is a bizarre young lady. <laughs> 20 some years old and she likes that old stuff like that's yeah that's weird <laughs> but some, it's cool it's cool somehow i like have dragged people to the bcm with me who are also like that yeah. like from singing school well so I don't it's know. part of your personality you just kind of collect just drag people. people yes yeah <laughs> i drag people yeah. it's a well, gift i i mean i'm a i'm a bit of a historian and so i i think sometimes we we, we live too much in the present and we don't it's so easy to lose what has come before, yeah. and I think I think we've lost genuinely lost something when we don't at least have an awareness of some of yeah. that stuff. So I applaud, I applaud that. I applaud you know kind of staying in touch with the way we used to do things. So because it's you know just because it was fifty years ago or a hundred years ago doesn't mean it's bad. No, yeah. it doesn't mean it's the be all end all, but it also right. doesn't mean throw it away. Right, exactly, exactly. And with that. I want to thank you for joining us today. This is part of a multi-part conversation, and it's probably going to go longer than we thought. Um, But I hope you'll join us again next week. As always, we'd appreciate it if you tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music. Mash that, mash that (laughs) subscription button. Yeah, yeah. Um, Please visit our uh, our Facebook page uh, for the Jesus Society podcast. 
as as we've mentioned, um, we also have a Patreon page, um, and the link will be at that in the show notes. And uh, if the Lord puts it on your heart to try to support us a little bit, we would appreciate that. But you do not have to do that at all. Thanks for listening, and remember, you are greatly loved. Thank you.